Good morning. My name is Esther McCurry, and I'm so glad to be with you all this morning. I love Advent, the time of year where we anticipate the birth of our Savior Jesus. Advent means arrival. So in the weeks leading up to Christmas, we take time to pause and reflect on the arrival of the person who changed everything. This is our third week of Advent. If you've been with us for the first two, you know that the theme of our Advent celebrations this year is God with us, but like for real though. And we laugh, but it's true because we've heard a thousand times that God is with us. But my friends, he is truly, deeply, actually with us. It's not just a nice idea. It's not just something we hear at Christmas time. The triune, all-powerful, all-giving God is with you. He is with me. He is with all of us. And I'm very excited this morning to dig deeper into that idea of God's present with us because I am convinced that as we know more deeply the witness of God, as we know more deeply his presence in our lives, we are changed to become people who are full of joy. Not a joy that is based on our circumstances, but a joy that is deep and abiding, a joy that is unceasing, a joy that comes from the presence of God. Not a joy that is founded on things happening in the world around us, but a joy that is rooted in the presence of God in our lives. And we talk about this idea of God with us during Christmas because of the meaning of the word Emmanuel. We hear the word Emmanuel a lot this time of year because it's part of the Christmas story. It's part of Jesus' birth. Emmanuel means God with us. Jesus was God, is God coming to be with us. And so this morning, as we understand more deeply that God is truly, actually with us, and that that withness brings us joy, I want us to look at the passages of Scripture that speak to Emmanuel. The meaning, the idea of Emmanuel is rooted in several passages of Scripture. You just heard one read to us this morning. So we're going to spend some time looking at the passages that speak to Emmanuel. If you're familiar with the Christmas story, then you probably know that it sort of starts with Mary getting a visit from an angel. An angel comes and tells her that she's going to conceive and give birth to a child. Then an angel goes to Joseph and tells him the same thing, that Mary's with child and that the child is from God. And then then the angel gives Joseph some instructions on how to proceed. He tells Joseph, go ahead and take Mary as your wife. So we're going to start in Matthew chapter 1, if you want to turn there, as we see the instructions that Joseph is given about Mary's child and where we learn that the coming child is to be called Emmanuel, God with us. So look with me, I'm in Matthew 1, verse 20. But after he, Joseph, had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. The angel tells Joseph, go ahead with your plans. Mary hasn't been unfaithful, as you feared. What's in her is from the Holy Spirit. Frankly, I'm not sure that was a hugely reassuring concept either, but that is what the angel tells Joseph. And we're going to keep reading as we see that the angel tells Joseph what to name the child because of who the child is 
and what he will do. Look at me, verse 21. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The angel tells Joseph to name him Jesus, which means God is salvation, because Jesus is coming into the world to do that, to save the people from their sins. And then Matthew says that all of this, the angel appearing to Mary, the angel then appearing to Joseph, Joseph's obedience to take Mary as his wife, all of this was to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah had foretold. We're going to look now at verse 22 and 23 and see what was prophesied. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew says in verse 22 that all of this, the angel coming to Mary, her being a virgin, the angel coming to Joseph, his faithfulness to respond to what the angel says, the baby being named Jesus, all of this is to fulfill what was prophesied that through Jesus, God would come into the world, Emmanuel. So this is the reference of Emmanuel that most of us are probably most familiar with. But if you noticed, if you were reading along when Ursula was reading, there's actually probably an annotation in your Bible that refers you to the original quote that Matthew is using. Matthew was quoting from the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 7, where Isaiah uses, first uses this idea of Emmanuel. So this morning, I want us to spend some time in Isaiah to understand Emmanuel, God with us, in its original Old Testament context. And then we'll come back to Matthew, and we'll look at how Emmanuel, God with us, affects the people in this beautiful Christmas story. And then we'll talk about us, and we'll see how the truth of Emmanuel, God with us, changes who we are, how it makes us a people who are full of joy. So we're going to start in Isaiah, and we're going to be in chapter 7. As we start reading, you're going to see that King Ahaz is, is getting some bad news. Um, at this time in Israel's history, the kingdom was already divided. So King Ahaz is the king of Judah, which was a southern king. And then we're going to hear that there's a king of the northern king of Israel. His name is King Pekah. And he's joined forces with another king who's the king of Aram, which we would know as Syria. And these two kings have come together, and they're plotting against the king of Judah, King Ahaz. And Ahaz and the people are afraid. So go ahead and turn with me into Isaiah. 7, and we're going to start in verse 1. When Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, king Rezan of Aram, and Pekah, the son of Ramalia, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Now the house of David was told, Aram, that's Syria, has allied itself with Ephraim, which was another name for the northern kingdom of Israel. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. The king and the people are scared. Here come these two armies that have joined forces and they're marching down to Judah and they're very afraid because they see these two kings in a league against them and God says, it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna come to pass. I'm not gonna let them be victorious. Let's continue reading in verse 3. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, 
go out, you and your son, Sherjashim, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the washerman's field. Say to Ahaz, be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because the fierce anger of reason and Aram and the son of Ramalia, Aram and Ephraim and Ramalia's son have plotted your ruin, saying, let's invade Judah. Let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son Tabeel king over it. Yet this is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. So the king hears that Syria and northern Israel are in league against him and he's afraid. But God sends the prophet Isaiah to tell Ahaz, you don't need to be afraid. It's not going to come to pass. God is not going to let these two countries be victorious over you. And then God says to Ahaz through the prophet Isaiah, do you want proof? Ask me for a sign. I'm going to give it to you. Ask me for a sign. But Ahaz refuses. He won't ask the Lord. Let's look at verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not put the Lord to the test. God tells Ahaz, I know you're afraid. I'm willing to give you proof. I'm willing to give you a promise, a sign that what I have said will come true, that these enemies will not defeat you. Ask me for a sign. But Ahaz won't do it. And at first, his answer sounds to us kind of pious, right? He doesn't want to put the Lord to the test. He says, no, I, I don't want to, I'm not going to do that. But we know from the record in 2 Kings that Ahaz was not a godly king. It says he lived in rebellion against the Lord. So his response is not pious. And as we keep reading, we're going to see that God doesn't view his response as righteous, but rather as coming from a place of disbelief. Ahaz does not believe God's promise, and he pretty much wants nothing to do with him. And Isaiah is furious. Let's look at verse 13. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? Isaiah is fed up with Ahaz, and frankly, Ahaz is wearing out God's patience too. And then we come to this most amazing section where Isaiah says, Ahaz, in spite of your disbelief, in spite of the fact that you doubt God, he's going to give you a sign anyway. And the sign God gives Ahaz is his very presence with him. Let's look at verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. Even though Ahaz wants nothing to do with God, even though, in my opinion, he does not deserve it, God gives Ahaz a sign anyway. He says that a virgin is going to conceive and be with, be with child, and give that child the name Emmanuel. God has made a promise to Ahaz that he's going to be with him. He's going to be with the line of David. He's going to not let something come against the kingdom of Judah because of God's promise to David all those years ago that his kingdom would never end. God told David, you will have a descendant on the throne forever. And God is gonna keep his promise to Ahaz. In Ahaz's day, this sign meant that a woman who was a virgin at the time of hearing this prophecy 
would eventually conceive and bear a child. And she would name that child Emmanuel. And I think it's so amazing that God's promise to Ahaz is his very presence, is that he's going to be with him. He's going to be Emmanuel, God with us. And if we were to keep reading in Isaiah, we would see that, there, that God explains even further about this Emmanuel child as further proof that, there, that these two kingdoms are not gonna be victorious. God says that even while this Emmanuel child, this God with us child is still young, those other two countries are gonna be destroyed. That's how you know that they're not gonna be victorious against you. Because even while this Emmanuel is young, they will be destroyed. God was with Ahaz. God was with Judah. God was with the line of David. So this is the promise of Emmanuel, God with us, in its original context. God did not abandon Ahaz. He did not abandon Judah. He did not abandon the line of David. God was with them, Emmanuel. Now we're going to head back over to Matthew. Matthew, knowing all of this and knowing this Old Testament passage and knowing that the Messiah was predicted to come from the line of David, picks up this quote from, Matt, from Isaiah and repeats it again here and says, once again, God is going to use a child to remind you that he is with you. Emmanuel, God with us. It says in Matthew, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. All of the events of Jesus' birth, all the circumstances surrounding it, Mary's status as a virgin, Jesus coming from the line of David, all of these things are another fulfillment, Matthew says, of the promise made in Isaiah. But this time, an actual virgin will conceive and bear the savior of the world, and that child will be God with us. Have you ever thought about what it must have been like for Mary and Joseph? Their lives are turned utterly upside down by the news of this unexpected child, by the news that Emmanuel is coming. I'm sure they wanted children. They probably talked about children in their courtship. But this was not how they intended for their first child to come into the world. Their plans, their plans as individuals, their plans as a couple, all of that is not going to be how, it, and how things end up going. First, God sends an angel to Mary, and he tells her she's going to have a son. And she wonders how this can be because she's a virgin. And the angel tells her, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and overshadow you. That is, frankly, a terrifying thing for a teenager who has, up until this point, lived a very ordinary life to hear. And then the angel leaves, and she is left to figure out, what does this mean? How will it impact my engagement? What, what are my parents going to think? What, how will it affect my community? But before the angel leaves, she gets a promise that God is with her. Whatever fears, Mary, he says, you're now facing, whatever uncertainties are now before you, God is with you. He has not abandoned you. He has not forsaken you. And this promise, this promise that the child Mary is carrying is Emmanuel, God with her, this promise gives Mary great joy. Later on, we see a, a prayerful song that Mary composes, and she says, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit 
rejoices in God my Savior. The presence, the Emmanuel of God with us in Mary's life brings her joy. And Joseph, he probably had plans to be the local carpenter. He was going to wed Mary in a very ordinary, quiet manner. And they were going to live in their small little town of Nazareth. And then he finds out that his fiancée is pregnant. And he knows he's not the father. Here is a good man who all of his dreams are now disrupted. But then an angel comes to him and gives him the same promise. Emmanuel, God with us. And, he, and the angel tells Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. This is how it's supposed to be. I'm with you, he says. Again, all this takes place to visit, to fulfill what Isaiah said. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. What a promise for Mary and Joseph, God with them. And their troubles are not over. As newlyweds, they got to undertake an arduous journey of 80 miles. They got to go from Nazareth to, to Joseph's family of origin's birthplace, Bethlehem. So it's 80 miles. By this time, Mary is pregnant, very much so. So say they are doing 15 miles a day, which if you have been a pregnant lady, 15 miles a day across a country would be very difficult. I once did Disneyland when I was nine months pregnant and thought I was going to die. <laughs> so say she does 15 miles a day, which even if she has a donkey, which there's no scriptural evidence that she does, this is, those are really long, hard days. Five of them at a minimum if they're making 15 miles a day. They got to do five of those, probably more because they're not able to do 15 miles. So they're making this arduous journey and they get there and there's no room for them. And it's possible there's no room for them because everybody thinks they've been living in sin and they don't want them. But in the midst of all this, they have the promise, God is with us. So they've made this never-ending trek across Israel. They've arrived. There's no room for them, but they have the promise God is with us. And then it's time for Mary to have her baby. And finally, in the truest and deepest, most possible way, God is with them. Emmanuel comes in the form of a baby and God is with them in the truest and deepest sense of the word. Emmanuel is the child that they protect from Herod. Emmanuel is the child they take to Egypt. Emmanuel is the child they find in the temple when they think they've lost him. And Emmanuel is the child who will grow up and ultimately save Mary and Joseph from their sins. Emmanuel, God with us. That is the promise that Mary and Joseph had. And Mary says, the presence of God with me brings me so much joy. She says, my soul rejoices in God my Savior. God's presence brings Mary and Joseph joy. My friends, God is with us. He wasn't just with Ahaz. He wasn't just with Mary and Joseph. He is with us. Truly, actually, like for real with us. And this truth brings us joy. I was reminded of this in a very real way. I was reminded of the presence of Emmanuel and what God with us means and how God with us brings us joy in a very real way this past Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a great holiday full of gratitude and good memories and family, and I love it. 
But Thanksgiving also marks an anniversary in our family that is hard. Eight years ago, my sister Mary, who goes to this church and gave me permission to share this story, was five months along in her fourth pregnancy. And she was headed to a routine OB appointment, and she didn't want to take her other three kids with her, so she dropped them at my house. She headed on her way. And several hours passed, and I didn't hear from her. And I began to grow concerned because I know that long OB appointments are rarely good news. So eventually I gave up trying to parent or babysit and I just put a movie on for her kids and my kids so that I could pace by the front window. And when she pulled up and she got out of her car, I knew that it was very serious. And she came into my living room and through hysterical tears she said, the doctor couldn't find a heartbeat. And as I sat with her that day, and she repeated over and over again, there's no heartbeat. Why is there no heartbeat? It was the most profoundly sorrowful day of my life, sitting with her in that grief. Oh, how we prayed that God would do a miracle, that he would bring that baby back to life, that he would make his heart beat again. Sadly, two days later, on Thanksgiving morning, she had to be induced and she gave birth to their son, John, who never got to live in this world. And I love so much that they named him John because John in the Bible is the person who points to Emmanuel who is coming. John is the person, he's, he's Jesus' cousin who is the light to point the way. And I love that they named him John. And my friends, something miraculous did happen that week and in the months that followed. God did not make John's heart beating beat again. But as I watched Mary and Mike undergo this, I was witness to something profound and beautiful. They leaned into the truth of Emmanuel. They claimed God with us at every step of the way. They claimed his joy and his presence in their lives, and they were not beaten down. They were not forsaken. They were not abandoned. I watched them, especially as it came time where they had anticipated the presence of John in their lives at Easter when he was supposed to be born and at the start of family vacation and summer and our, our family's annual trip to Mexico, all these points where they had anticipated their son being with them. They grieved, yes, but they grew. I saw them claim Emmanuel in their lives. And because they believed in the truth of God with them, they found joy. I've heard Mary and her husband Mike reflect on that year as the hardest of their lives, but also as the year where they most felt God's comfort, where they most felt God's presence, where they most felt his joy. My friends, that is a joy that is not based on your circumstances. That is a joy that is unceasing, that is unshakable because it is founded in the truth of God with us. And the child that God gave them after John, Elizabeth, is a source of great joy to anybody who's ever met her. 
I know in a room this size, we are all facing different issues. Some of us are finding it very easy to believe that God is with us and to experience his joy in that. Maybe you've got a new job this year and it is life-giving and fulfilling. And when I say God is with you, you say yes. Or maybe you have a new relationship that is blossoming, blossoming or an old relationship that's been restored and you know that God is with you and you feel his joy because of that. Or maybe you've had your health restored to you <clears throat> or you've had, sorry, or you've seen your relationship with Jesus become more intimate and closer than ever before and you believe that God is with you and you experience joy, for that, joy from that. And if that is the case for you this morning, I say praise Jesus and amen, and may his joy continue to abound in you. But some of us might be having a harder time experiencing God's joy. You know that God is with you, you know that he is present, but you don't feel it. You don't experience it on a personal level. You look at the world around you, at your own life, and you wonder how you pe could be expected to find joy in anything. Maybe it's even the upcoming Christmas season that is bringing you hardship. All you can see are broken relationships. Maybe it's the marriage that didn't work and now you're in a custody battle and you don't get to spend Christmas with your kids. Or maybe it's the in-laws that are never <clears throat> pleased, that are always critical. And as you look ahead to Christmas, you can just see the conflict. They don't understand you and you don't understand them and it's a hard time. Or maybe your family has had division in recent months or years and the traditions that used to be so fun and so easy are now tense and awkward. Or maybe don't even happen at all and it's a lonely time of year. May you be reminded that God is with you. God is with you. He is not unaware of your troubles. And he wants you to turn toward him and to move into his presence. And he wants to give you his abounding joy. As you grow in your awareness of his withness, he wants to give you his presence, which brings abounding joy, regardless of our circumstances. Or maybe your fears aren't relational, they're financial. You're looking at Christmas with the parties and the decorations and the gifts and you're wondering how what you make is going to stretch to cover all of these expenses and everything that comes at the end of the year. Let today be a reminder for you. God is with you. He knows the concerns that weigh heavy on your hearts and he wants to give you a joy that is not dependent on what's in your house or under your tree, but a joy that comes from the presence of him in your life. Or maybe your troubles have nothing to do with Christmas. Maybe somebody you know, or maybe you yourself are struggling with a mental health issue. Anxiety and depression have risen drastically in the past years, and sometimes it feels like that is threatening to consume everything. My friends, God is with you also. I hope today that you are encouraged to know that he longs to be Emmanuel in your life and that he longs to bring you his joy. <clears throat> 
Perhaps you and your spouse have been trying to get pregnant for months, maybe even years, and you wonder if it's ever going to happen. Maybe you look around and you feel like he's giving that good gift to everyone but you, and you feel left out and overlooked. He has not abandoned you. He has not forgotten you. He is with you. He is Emmanuel in your life, and he wants to bring the joy of his son into your heart. Wherever you are today, whatever you're dealing with, I hope and pray that you are reminded that God is with you, that he loves you deeply, that he cares for you, that he is a good father who has your best in his heart, and he wants to be known by you and to know you. He longs to fill you with his presence, with his Emmanuel, God with us. And he wants to give you his joy. I pray this year, as we move into a new season, that we would be rooted and founded in the truth of Emmanuel, God with us. And that that presence with us would give us joy. As the song says, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your son to be Emmanuel. Thank you for loving us and for choosing us and for giving us a joy that surpasses understanding. You are with us, truly, deeply, actually with us. We are grateful and we love you. Amen.